0: War and Peace Book 4, Chapter 14 Recording for LibriVox.org by Eva Harnick An hour and a half later, most of the players were but little interested in their own play. The whole interest was concentrated on Rostov. Instead of 1,600 rubles, he had a long column of figures scored against him, which he had reckoned up to 10,000, but that now, as he vaguely supposed, must have risen to 15,000. In reality, it already exceeded 20,000 rubles. Dolokhov was no longer listening to stories or telling them, but followed every movement of Rostov's hands and occasionally ran his eyes over the score against him. He had decided to play until that score reached 43,000. He had fixed on that number because 43 was the sum of his and Sonya's joined ages. Rostov, leaning his head on both hands, sat at the table, which was scrawled over with figures, wet with spilled wine, and littered with cards. One tormenting impression did not leave him that those broad-boned, reddish hands with hairy wrists, visible from under the shirt sleeves, those hands, which he loved and hated, held him in their power. Six hundred rubles, ace, a corner, a nine. Winning it back is impossible. Oh, how pleasant it was at home. The knave, double or quits, it can't be. And why is he doing this to me? Rostov pondered. Sometimes he staked a large sum, but Dolokhov refused to accept it and fixed the stake himself. Nicholas submitted to him and at one moment prayed to God, as he had done on the battlefield at the bridge over the ends, and then guessed, that the card that came first to hand from the crumpled heap under the table would save him, now counted the cords on his coat and took a card with that number and tried staking the total of his losses on it. Then he looked round for aid from the other players or peered at the now cold face of Dolokhov and tried to read what was passing in his mind. He knows, of course, what this loss means to me. He can't want my ruin. Wasn't he my friend? Wasn't I fond of him? But it is not his fault. What is he to do if he has such luck? And it is not my fault either, he thought to himself. I have done nothing wrong. Have I killed anyone or insulted or wished harm to anyone? why such a terrible misfortune and when did it begin such a little while ago i came to this stable with the thought of winning a hundred roubles to buy that casket for mamma's name-day and then going home i was so happy so free so light-hearted and i did not realize how happy i was when did that end and when did this new terrible state of things begin what marked the change i sat all the time in this same place at this table chose and placed cards and watched those broad-boned agile hands in the same way when did it happen and what has happened i am well and strong and still the same and in the same place no it can't be. Surely it will all end in nothing. He was flushed and bathed in perspiration, though the room was not hot. His face was terrible and piteous to see, especially from its helpless efforts to seem calm. The score against him reached a fateful sum of forty-three thousand. Rostov had just prepared a card by bending the corner of which he meant to double the three thousand just put down to his score, when Dolokhov, slamming down the pack of cards, put it aside and began rapidly adding up the total of Rostov's debt, breaking the chalk as he marked the figures in his clear, bold hand. Supper. It is time for supper. And here are the gypsies. Some swarthy men and women were really entering from the cold outside and saying something in their gypsy accents. Nicholas understood that it was all over, but he said in an indifferent tone, Well, won't you go on? I had a splendid card already, as if it were the fun of the game which interested him most. It is all up. I am lost, thought he. Now, bullets through my brain, that is all that is left me. And at the same time, he said in a cheerful voice, Come now, just this one more little card. All right, said Dolokhov, having finished the addition. All right. Twenty one rubles, he said, pointing to the figure. Twenty-one, by which the total exceeded the round sum of forty-three thousand. And, taking up a pack, he prepared to deal. Rostov submissively unbent the corner of his card, and instead of the six thousand he had intended, carefully wrote twenty-one. It's all the same to me, he said. I only want to see whether you will let me win this ten or beat it. Dolokhov began to deal seriously. Oh, how Rostov detested at that moment those hands with their short reddish fingers and hairy wrists, which held him in their power. The ten fell to him. You owe forty-three thousand, Count, said Dolokhov, and stretching himself he rose from the table. One does get tired sitting so long, he added. Yes, I am tired, too, said Rostov. Dolokhov cut him short as if to remind him that it was not for him to jest. When am I to receive the money count? Rostov flushing drew Dolokhov into the next room. I cannot pay it all immediately. Will you take an I.O.U., he said. ''I say, Rostov,'' said Dolokhov, clearly smiling and looking Nicholas straight in the eyes. ''You know the saying, lucky in love, unlucky at cards. Your cousin is in love with you, I know.'' ''Oh, it is terrible to feel oneself so in this man's power,'' thought Rostov. He knew what a shock he would inflict on his father and mother by the news of this loss, He knew what a relief it would be to escape it all and felt that Dolokhov knew that he could save him from all this shame and sorrow but wanted now to play with him as a cat does with a mouse. Your cousin, Dolokhov started to say but Nicholas interrupted him. My cousin has nothing to do with this and it is not necessary to mention her, he exclaimed fiercely. Then, when am I to have it? Tomorrow, replied Rostov and left the room. of chapter 14. Recording by Eva Harnick, Pontevedra, Florida.